Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This particular episode of the show is brought to you by Maria Bowie, Michael Jinda, and Craig Dunsmere, each of whom out of the goodness of their hearts, decided to pledge a monthly amount to this show's Patreon page. If you'd like to be one of these people, go to patreon.com slash creative control and pledge a monthly amount. You can pledge whatever you like and cancel it or reduce it or whatever you want, whenever you want. Just, that's all. That's that's very simple. Uh, those folks pledging $10 a month or more uh, for the next week or so get themselves a creative control t-shirt. There's two designs. You can pick one. Just let me know which one you like, and uh, I'll send one to you for pledging $10 or more. Again, we're trying to hit $500 a month. We're, I don't know, man. I don't know. Let's try to do it. Again, patreon.com slash creative control. Maria, Michael, Craig, all of you who have pledged thus far, thank you. means the world. Let's get on with the show. Creative Control with Bish This past Monday, I went to the dentist in the afternoon to get a filling because I have genetically terrible teeth. I floss, I brush my teeth, and eat a lot of sugar. I do have a sugar tooth. Sugar tooth? Is that a thing? Did I just make that up? I have sugar teeth? Whatever. I get cavities sometimes, and I have to get fillings. And my childhood dentist, where I go still, I go to another town to go to the dentist. He is semi-retired, so there's like a new guy there. And I... uh, some weird vibes there. I don't know. My tooth still kind of hurts. He did a thing where he put a bunch of stuff in my mouth and then tried to make small talk, which is, I think that's a dentist joke. He just like, all the stuff was in my mouth. He's like, this stock market crashed today, hey? I was like, ah, ah, what am I supposed to? Anyway, I didn't have a good time. And he had to freeze my mouth. So I go to the dentist, he puts the filling in, and then my mouth, so my face my ear, everything's just like frozen. It hurts a little bit, even though it's numb. It's still, it's like, it's uncomfortable. And then I just drove myself to Toronto to meet with Julie Fader and Graham Walsh of the band Etiquette and at their home. And that's what you're going to hear today. The first half an hour of this interview, like, I can't feel my face. I don't know if I'm slurring. I haven't, it's, it's not quite, I don't know. It was weird. It was weird. But the interview is, is good. And You'll hear new songs from Etiquette. They're playing the Wavelength Festival uh, this weekend. Uh, Camp Wavelength is what it's called, actually. And I love Etiquette. I love Julie Fader is a very uh, prominent 
uh, singer and songwriter. Well, actually, she's a prominent singer. She tends to sing backup for people all the time. Sarah Harmer, Chad Van Galen, Greylick Swimmers, these types of people. But she's a great songwriter and singer in her own right. And Graham Walsh plays in a band called Holy Fuck, among other things. And uh, they are a, a couple in real life. They have a child. And uh, they make music together as etiquette. This is the first, I think... Well, I mean, Graham used to play with Julie Fader. Anyway, this is a unique band. And I like them. And their new record is great. You're going to hear songs from it. It's called Reminisce. It's out now on uh, hand-drawn Dracula Records. And you'll hear a song from it. So that's what you'll hear. My frozen face and etiquette. Right now. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Dr. Zhivago, Testament of Youth, The Wolf Pack, Love and Mercy, The Diary of a Teenage Girl, and more. And at the E-Bar, Blimp Rock celebrate a new record and a new video with a show, also featuring Wax Mannequin on the bill on Friday, August 28th. The Bookshelf is an independently owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. More information about their hours, listings, blogs, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca. I'm starting to get that feeling back in my face. Like it's starting to get better. You aren't drooling anymore. <laughs> Was I drooling that much? No. My jaw and ear are just... No, you were slurring. Was I slurring a little? A little bit. It feels better now. I, yeah. I feel like I sound more like myself, but... Yeah, I'm starting to... You made the watermelon shake thing, then it's starting... I can start, I'm starting to taste it. Okay, good. It's better. I feel like... I don't know why. So, I, I brush my teeth... Twice a day, I floss every day, mm-hmm. but I think I have genetically bad teeth because I go oh. and they tell me I always need, like, even when they're doing the cleaning, they say, great. And then the dentist guy comes in and he says, hey, you got a cavity. So I'm like, well, what is it? I don't know. Is it great or not? That doesn't sound great. I don't know. Cash grab? I don't think so. I think they would. Do they, they show you the x-rays? Who am I? I can't figure out the x-ray. <laughs> they can show me the x-ray. There could be anything on there. I don't know what they are. Do you have good teeth? Uh, I've only had one filling. In your life? Yeah. How often do you, do you go to the dentist, though? 
I go the regular amount. Really? Yeah. Huh. One filling. Do you do I it? floss and brush my teeth every day as yeah, well. Yeah, so do I. But uh, Graham's, Graham's got uh, some fillings. You get some cavities? Yeah. I don't understand it. I think it's genetics. Anyway, I think it's, so. It's making me nuts because I, I have been amping up the ginger ale lately. I'm a, I got a weakness for ginger ale. Sweets. I have a sweet tooth. Mm-hmm. And now they're all decaying. Anyway, it's making Sparkling me. water is a good option. Like, Yeah, I got a little Pellegrino thing. I like San yeah. Pellegrino. A yeah. little bit of f- fruit juice mixed with sparkling water is a lime. good alternate to pop. Slice of lime. Yeah, ginger ale is just going between your teeth and rotting them out. You're right. I won't get one when I go have dinner after this. <laughs> Last time I was here uh, at your house, this floor, we're just, this back porch, by the way, is awesome. Thank you. Graham built it. Yeah. All you, by himself. Yeah. He, he did a great job. It's fantastic. Does he have a background in that or did you just make it up? No, he surprised me. He surprised me with, when we bought this house, he tore out the walls. He did all of the, he rewired the house, put in new ceilings, built bathrooms, with no decks. no background in that? No. Is that safe though? It is safe. He does his research. Like uh. he researches home renovation like he researches recording gear. Oh, okay. So he's very thorough. There's something about a person who gets into engineering. Mhm. They might have an aptitude for that maybe more cuz that's a lot of yeah, he used to, he solders things all the time, sure. so I think he's he's got that brain. Is this back porch held together by soldering? No. <laughs> no, but you see there are no nails. I did notice all, that. It's all nailed underneath. Yeah, I saw, a program, there's a program that teaches you how to do that. It's like an American how-to show. I saw mm-hmm. that once. And then like <laughs> weird ways of screwing things in where you don't see the screws. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole new world. Yeah, this is really nice. Anyway, the last time I was here... This whole first floor. We did the interview upstairs, right? Yeah. You we lived upstairs for close to two years before we even ventured down here to live because he was we've had to renovate the entire house. Right. You bought it as a fixer-upper. That's putting it mildly. <laughs> it, it did seem a little like it was in shambles when I first... Disgusting might be a better way of putting it. What prompted you to buy a house with so much uh, work? Uh, well, we looked in Toronto for a year... And anything we were interested in would sell for maybe $120,000 over the asking mm-hmm. price. Very competitive. Yeah. And crazy. And very expensive. And anything that was remotely nice was way out of our budget. So we bought a house that was part hoarder house and part rooming house. Right. Full of cockroaches and black mold. Ugh. I vaguely remember this. We, <laughs> mo- we we basically went straight upstairs. Yeah. That staircase is the same, isn't it, though? It is. It's the exact same staircase yeah. from, four, what was that, four or five years ago? Yeah. Four, four, four and a half years ago? Yeah. Because the other weird and monumental thing that happened during that interview is that you informed me, mm-hmm. we were recording it, but you informed me that you were expecting mm-hmm. your first child. and First the, and only. First yes. and only child. And... And then when we posted the interview, it turns out a lot of your friends and family learned of it. Yes. Learned of your pregnancy. My phone started buzzing. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of cool. That was kind of a neat moment. I don't know. Do you normally reveal that much uh, of yourself to a a journalist? No, I don't. I I think I was starting to show. Oh. At that point. 
and I'd kept it to myself, but I was also just home from touring as well, uh, just home for a little break at that point. So it was getting more and more obvious. You were with the Great Lakes Swimmers on tour at that no, point? No, I was singing in Sarah Harmer's Sarah band, Harmer's band for okay. her last record. So you felt self, not self-conscious about your, your uh, you know, uh, appearance. You just felt self-conscious that people were going to start asking me probably at some point. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I, th- I think maybe you had picked up on it before the interview. Because you're... Because I don't know if the intent was to spill the beans on the air. No, maybe not. Your daughter and my first, my son, my my eldest child, are the, basically the same age. Mm-hmm. So I think I probably maybe I was maybe I don't remember this instant. You I had a keen sense. Maybe, maybe I did. Why aren't you drinking beer at noon? <laughs> no, no I, didn't, I didn't say any. Of that. No, it was a genuine morning. It was you made. No, I was starting to show. And you made me a delicious breakfast. I remember that. Yep. You made breakfast, which the sh- the theme of that show was that I would go eat breakfast with musicians. It was like comedians in cars getting coffee, but I invented it before that show, and I should be a millionaire. <laughs> well, I remember uh, for about a year and a half. Everything I cooked was with a small hot plate, That's a right. toaster oven, That's and a right. kettle. That's right. So that entire meal, I think I made tacos. You did. You made breakfast tacos. Yeah. You did. And then just moments ago, you offered to let me stay here for dinner. And I am making tacos <laughs> this evening. It's a favorite. Yeah. Tacos are fun. Yeah. Uh, fun and delicious. Fun and easy to make. And, and I can see. And But you've expanded. You've got a great kitchen. This is great. Thank you. Yeah. No, this is great. And so Graham may or may not be joining us he's downstairs working with dan beckner on something uh new operators record new operators record so uh and 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 graham is are you actually married you and graham no not married we're common law common law and so you have uh, a, a a studio down in your basement mm-hmm. what's that like for you when you're not the ones making the music because i can understand like you're making etiquette records or yeah whatever and it makes yeah it makes sense but when you have strangers tromping in and out of your house it hasn't been strangers yet oh, okay uh it's it's pretty great actually everyone's respectful and kind mm-hmm. and talented that's been coming here mm-hmm. so it's good who who would have been down there in recently recent? yeah because you mentioned that graham uh has been very busy mm-hmm. overextended himself i think you said a little bit i may have said that <laughs> i may have said that. well just he hasn't really come up for air since april right and, and so he was busy prior to that too so right. um well recently he's been working with hannah georges producing a new record for her and so she's been here a lot uh Mets did their last record partly here. They did it at another studio as well. But so Mets are one of the loudest bands in the yeah. world. Oh yeah. Were they tracking here? They were doing vocals and mixing here. Wow. Francis would open the door and yell down, "It's too loud!" Well, Francis, your daughter was just here <laughs> with me on the porch, and you were making these delicious watermelon smoothie shake. Oh, with things. the Vitamix. With the Vitamix, and she's like, "I have to close the door," and you were like, "It's okay, honey." And then she's like, "No, I gotta close the door." And then when she closed the door, she said to me, "Sometimes people sing, and it hurts my ears. Oh, it's too loud, so I have to close the door." So, 
I well, assume she's she been really she's been gushing about Dan's voice. Oh well, Dan's got a great voice. Yeah, she keeps saying, "How did he learn to sing like that?" <laughs> He's a great singer. That's very yeah, sweet. so Mets, uh, young rival, were here a little while ago. Doom Squad are mixing a record here. Um, new Viet Cong record. It's being made here. At the barn and At the here. barn, right, okay. So Yeah, he's so it's just been a lot of stuff here, a lot of cool people. <sighs> yeah, but it it, makes, it means that, I mean, and you've been doing a little bit of etiquette touring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, w- w- just... Between, yeah. Yeah, we've been doing uh, as many shows as we can, but we knew the timing is a little unfortunate that way. Uh, the record came out in March, and we've done quite a few shows. Some festivals. Since the record came out. Yeah. I'm going to say maybe 20 shows. Right. But we haven't been able to do uh, any massive touring because Graham's been in the studio since April. Right. But I mean, how much touring would you really want to be doing? I don't know that I want to go too wild with touring. Both of us have toured extensively. And I'm anxious to start working on a new record. Right. But I I love playing shows and I love recording. You're in an interesting place that way because we are still struggling, I think, in this music-making industry with what to do because so much of the emphasis is... It's, uh, there's less emphasis on the records, it seems. Mm. That's, what we're, that's what we're told. Oh, okay. Maybe your perspective on this would be different, but the money aspect of things is, seems to be in live shows, mm-hmm. not as much in people buying records. Has your experience borne that out, or do you think it's... Uh, a- well... We're a new band, so I don't know that it's all that lucrative Mm -hmm. for us because when you pay people to play and you rent a van and you pay for hotel rooms and get gas, uh, no, it's the opposite of lucrative. And you're paying, you, I assume you're still in kind of a door deal mode or depending? Well, sometimes, yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah. the guarantee is there yeah. and doing some festivals this summer has helped, Yeah. but it's expensive to play mm-hmm. music. It's expensive to record music and to play music. And people don't really talk about that very often because it seems like a sensitive subject or something, or like you're complaining, but I actually am not complaining. No, I don't think it. I don't think it's complaining. I think it's just mm-hmm. explaining the reality of, of it. Matter of fact. Well, it's a matter of fact, but there was an article that came out not too long ago talking about how I, I I'm paraphrasing it, but it's along the lines of how much depression is present in touring musicians mm-hmm. uh, among touring oh, musicians. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and it's uh, I think it got circulated quite a bit because mm-hmm. I think for some people, you assume that if someone's traveling and playing a big festival that they're having the time of their lives, but Mm -hmm. you don't really contemplate the miles of the alienation and the miles of traveling and Mm -hmm. isolation that you have. So I think, I guess my point here is that I think more people are talking about it, Mm -hmm. about the dollars and cents of trying to make something like this viable. So Mm -hmm. that's why I'm just curious. You are a new band. There's certainly a pedigree within your band. I mean, with your name, with your, with Julie Fader and Graham's, affiliation with holy fuck and and connection there i mean i think probably have you found people are just curious to see what you guys are doing together yeah yeah definitely yeah based on what they know of you 
I think the band is really good. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to figure out how this thing might have developed because it's happening a lot more. I, I would consider this meeting between you and Graham and Etiquette as kind of a, a, a meeting ground between both of the aesthetics that we know of you. Mm -hmm. uh, meaning like it's totally your songs. Like I can mm -hmm. totally hear you, but I can totally hear certainly the holy fuck influence in it. Or I made a comment after your hillside set on Twitter and it wasn't just about you. Uh, but when, we, when I was at Hillside, I thought a lot of bands started to, were starting to sound like King Cobb Steely now. Oh. Were you a fan of that band? Did you yeah, know? Yeah, definitely. I'm and Kevin Lynn was the first bass player that played in Holy Fuck. That's right. That's right. So there's this weird thing. And to describe King Cobb Steely, it's a bit difficult. But by the time, well, in the mid-90s, they were seemed to be one of the first bands that were successfully and not kind of uh, clumsily fusing genres in mm -hmm. a way that was really refreshing it wasn't like a metal rap thing it was oh, just yeah. they were they were managing to find aspects of i don't know for lack of a better term like they they, they were making a kind of they were absorbent mm -hmm. they were taking different grooves groove culture and, and turning it into kind of pop songs mm -hmm. and doing it really well and I can hear a little bit of that in etiquette. Can you talk a little bit about where this sound has like come from? Like the melding of influences, yeah, you mean? Yeah, I, I've, am I wrong? It does seem like this is a meeting ground between what you two have been working on no, separately. No, I don't, I don't think you're wrong. Um, it's hard for me to be clear about what my taste is sometimes because I think the first record that I released under my name was fairly sensitive sounding with yeah. lots of finger picking. But I, I've been thinking about this recently and how I played electric guitar with lots of distortion for a long time. And then I've been playing keyboards in people's bands for years, but I'm usually just known as a harmony singer because sure. I sing so much with people. But playing Micro Korg and Wurlitzer for a long time and playing in Chad Van Galen's band and playing Micro Korg and doing kind of weird sounds. Synthetic sounds. Yeah. And um, so it's not a stretch for me to love synthesizer and cool sounds and chorus on the bass, like New Order style yep. stuff. And... Graham knows the music that I'm a fan of too as well so mm. he could it was a really natural transition to scrap the acoustic that I'd written the songs on oh you'd written most of these songs a lot of them yeah yeah that's how I write right typically I've been writing more on piano and Wurlitzer throughout the summer mm -hmm. which has been nice but the songs that were on the last record were all written on an acoustic guitar, but I knew I didn't want that sound for this point in my life. Yeah. And I didn't want to be playing an acoustic guitar on stage. I knew that. Yeah. So I mean, it's a total full on band mm -hmm. experience. Etiquette. Playing, Graham and I are both playing synth. Yeah. And there's electric guitar and there's bass and there's drums. Right. Right. Okay. So it's not... I don't know that that answers your question, but it was a really natural thing with no premeditated intent. 
do you like, let's make a, a yeah. synth driven record we didn't intend to do that but how it started happening the first sounds that Graham started creating when he stripped all of the demo away and just left a vocal take and started recreating the sound with just my voice right as the guide was right. a really interesting approach do you have a sense of what like you say you've been spending so much time making guitar music essentially mm -hmm. whether it's acoustic or electric mm -hmm. but you say that in writing these songs you knew that's not what you wanted mm -hmm. to do do you have a sense of what caused that urge like the, that desire to not be playing guitar on these songs was it just that Graham stripped them down or no I'm not exactly sure I think I just I've never really felt like a delicate folk singer specifically mm. uh, I like so many different styles of music and I like sitting and playing acoustic guitar and singing but I don't think that I was feeling like sitting by myself this at a little, you know, doing like a coffee shop type of thing. I, I never, just wasn't I feeling that. Yeah, I don't think of your music that way. In, uh, and I haven't thought about it that way in a few years because there always seems to be this gauzy, yeah, you're right. hazy aspect to it live, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like you're able to conjure this ambient texture mm -hmm. within... I wouldn't even say they're they're conventional folk or pop songs, but they, they're they leaning towards that, but then you've got all this sound. Mm -hmm. So you do seem really interested in different sound. Mm -hmm. and, and this... But then there's this groove aspect. That's kind of new. Mm -hmm. Like even though you mentioned the synths and the Korgs and stuff like that, and the synthesized sound, there's beats. Well, Graham wanted to make make-out music is with that this right? record. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. That's, that's what he was calling it. Make-out music. Yeah, he he uh, he writes really sexy bass lines. He does, and <laughs> if they're, it does or his, they're yeah. fantastic, yeah. and they sort of get people. That was, I think he got that comment so many times when we were playing the new ideas for our friends. Yeah, and he said, "Yeah, we should make a makeout record." <laughs> Everyone keeps calling it that, <laughs> so I'm fine with that. I I find that when I'm listening to the new record that. I think of you as a singer. I, I, I'm thinking of you as a singer because you have a very particular way of singing and presenting your ideas. There's, it almost seems disaffected. Like it almost seems distant. And I'm curious if you can capture where that style comes from. You seem mm. like it's almost alien. I find like it alien. Yeah. It, it feels like I can feel it, it creates a little, it creates drama within the songs for sure. And gives them a particular kind of pace. And I think it's characteristic of a lot of your recent work. And I'm just trying to figure out where it's coming from. And I don't know if you have a, uh, an answer for it. or mm. a, it's, it's not robotic. No. Because that would suggest that it doesn't have feeling. Mm -hmm. But it, it feels like slightly cold. Okay. <laughs> Is it weird that I'm confronting you with how I feel about Do your Do you music? think that the lyrics maybe... It's the lyrics. Contribute to that a bit too. There's lyrics and phrasing. Yeah. Um, because uh, when I'm listening to the new record, it seems that there's a certain economy to mm. the lyrics. Okay. Some of them, some of the songs. Mm -hmm. um, wait, what's the first song called? 
pleasantries. Pleasantries. That's one, for example, where you're kind of talking about human dynamics, I think, and an interaction. Like, I can picture what's happening, but it's done so minimally and so, like, observational. It's like you're not even talking about yourself, mm-hmm. but you're talking about a situation clearly in the first person. And I feel like that it's a dramatic aspect to the way you sing. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it or it's just the way these things come out. No, I hadn't really thought about it. <laughs> and I don't really analyze the way I sing or uh, refine my approach to try and emulate anybody. Or no, I n- think I'm a very natural singer because I don't really think about it too much. Hmm. So, Like a robot? N- no, it's just very honest, I guess. <laughs> my approach is very honest and... Uh, it's like speaking. It does seem way. kind of like speaking. Yeah, like I don't have that speak-sing style, no. but it's as natural to me as speaking. Yeah, everything is presented in a very... Hmm, I haven't really phrased this properly. Vish says, cold and alien. Sorry, Little Graham bit. Walsh is so here Graham, now. Graham just came down. Hello. Graham, what was going on in the basement? Just some uh, vocal... Vocal uh, recordings. Um, yeah, Dan's over, and uh, we're doing some uh, wrapping up uh, operators record. Nice. And yeah. did it, is it going well? Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking a lot about you and this space mm-hmm. and uh, your house. It's amazing. Thanks. And uh, before you arrived, I was trying to get at my perception of Julie's singing. But right. you, based on particularly what it sounds like happened with this etiquette record where mm-hmm. you, but the way Julie described it is she made demos and mm-hmm. you kind of stripped all the instrumentation away from them, isolated her voice and then sort of built the songs up a little bit. I'm a natural tinkerer, I think, especially with music. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I think to varying degrees of uh, uh, of tinkering that happened to some of the some some songs were more than others yeah but yeah you're always just sort of like it's like legos you know you're just sort of like tearing apart and re rejigging and putting back together and looking at it and then tearing apart and re putting it back together and that's kind of how it sort of went went down a little bit but uh yeah how would you characterize her as a singer uh from what i caught i, I would agree uh she's very natural and unaff- unaffected and yes. unaffected for sure unaffected and and yeah like we didn't i don't think you do really think too much about like uh your delivery or your approach or anything like that you just kind of like lay it down and it's make sure it's not pitchy or anything like that (laughs) i don't know it's funny some some your uh, julie's voice is more enunciated than others other singers i've worked with that's that in and some people are really trying to hide their voice but everyone's got a different character to their voice that i was trying to work with singers who can know how to sing and julie is one of them but knowing <laughs> how to sing isn't just about pitch no. and notes it's it's actually knowing your voice the strengths of it and and also knowing what comes natural to you totally right yep so and you're julie's now leaving yeah we're, she, this, we're tag team i don't know what's one. going on here <laughs> uh it was supposed to be both of you at the same time but no it's fine uh no, she she does. I don't know. I'm I've been listening to her music for so many years now, mm-hmm. and I know it when it's her. Yep. Particularly her own material. Um, yeah, I just can't quite figure it out. I just feel like there's, it's like almost like observational singing. Yeah. I feel like she's kind of talking about stuff that is 
distant from her. Yeah. And I can't, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. There's distance within it that I think comes from the, I think the enunciation is true, what mm-hmm. you're saying, that that's true, and that kind of clarity of, of purpose is there as well within that. Anyway. I don't, I, t- I tend not to analyze the lyrical content too much either. I, j- I and I'm, I like, I can appreciate really good lyrics. Um, and I'm getting more and more into lyrics and stuff like that because it can influence your creative process when you're um, working on the music aspect of it. But I never, I don't know, I'm st- I, I never really... You don't pay attention to what she's actually saying? I do, but I don't really like... I, 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 especially on this record, I wasn't like, what are you trying to say here? And like, let's try... And I'm and as as a as a role of a producer, I, you know, it is important to think about those sorts of things. But uh, um, this time, the, for her, it was just we were just going for vibe. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. She mentioned uh, before you got up here that you you had suggested that etiquette should be making makeout music. Uh huh. Can you <laughs> can you can you define what your version of makeup? She was trying to describe uh, it in terms of the groove and the bass lines and 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 um, maybe what it might be trying to uh, influence listeners to do or not do. <laughs> not. Can you talk about makeup music? Uh, well, I don't know. Again, I guess it's just a vibe. Um, maybe that was a particular creative direction that I that I decided could be interesting to go on. Um, as far as like conceptualizing the album as a whole and like thinking of an idea of because you know when you're tearing down songs and and building them back up again um you can there's a lot of ways places you can go and so that's that was probably just like well i don't know this this seems to be a fun direction right now is going there one of my friends was uh (laughs) (laughs) one of my friends was calling it's sex on the bathroom floor. Is that a drink? I have no idea, but that's what uh, oh, that's no, what someone the, was saying. Sex on the beach. Sex on the beach. Sex on the beach of the bathroom. What? What's in, what's, a, what's in a sex on the beach, and what can you change in, in the ingredients to call it sex on the bathroom floor? I don't think you want to do that. Baselines. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> Graham was just saying that he doesn't think much about or doesn't spend much time analyzing the lyrics in etiquette songs i don't think he does really do you i uh, <laughs> i read a, re- a couple reviews that seemed saying, almost like a, you a know, shot didn't you it you would think that or you never know what's going on behind the scenes and whether their relationship's troubled but if you listen to the lyrics and i was thinking you think i'm talking about my troubled relationship with graham okay but uh, you know what? I want people to interpret things however they want to. See, but I'm that's definitely a, that's not. That's a vague cop out. The the thing you just said, where you're like, I just want people to figure it out. Well, do you want me to like not song necessarily. by song? No, explain? I've done that. I've done that a few times well, on the show. Well, there's no way I would. No, but, but if people think I'm talking about my troubled relationship with Graham in my lyrics, I'm not. And if I say something sort of loving, there's a higher probability. I'm talking about Graham in that aspect. But there's also a chance you're not. Mm-hmm. There's a chance, but you'll never know. Are they are they <laughs> And Graham won't either because he's not interested. Are you an <laughs> are you do you see yourself as more of a narrative songwriter or or are you trying to get to stuff of your own? Get to your own stuff. Meaning like 
I think I, that's probably evident what I meant by yeah. that, right? Are you a storyteller or are you conjuring something within you? I'd say both. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily base all of my lyrics on personal experience and frustrations or affections or anything. Um, but yeah, it's the lyrics to me are sort of the same approach as the singing. They just have to come naturally I and whatever's on my mind. I think there's just, and I've struggled, I don't mm -hmm. think even that valiantly, but I've been struggling to try to articulate how one, a person, at least like myself, might describe your singing and, and how the emotional impact of it. Mm -hmm. Because it's stark, it's haunting, and I think, I mentioned robotic and alien earlier, but I also think it sounds very personal. Mm -hmm. And it always does, does the music influence that uh, that uh, thought of the starkness and the coldness and the ro and the roboticness. Does well, that, and does that guide you a little the bit? The makeup music thing has thrown me a little bit because I am so used to hearing Julie's voice in different contexts, other than etiquette, that I really home in on it a little bit as a as the main guiding force. Yeah. So even though things begin pulsing, or I, like today listening to it on my drive in. I did think a couple times, oh, that's really cool. That's a cool synth part. Like, that's a cool, like, that's really a mm -hmm. rhythmically an interesting thing and really catchy. Um, or that vaguely reminds me. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Holy fuck. Like, you know, the reductive things you would do yeah. knowing the context of this band mm -hmm. um, as a listener. And at the same time, as soon as Julie's voice kicks in, it takes on a whole new character for me. So it's just something very interesting about... I was also uh, spending part of my car ride yelling at Siri. So I had Julie's <laughs> robotic voice, which isn't really that robotic, and then Siri's literal robotic voice. What was I texting oh. you? I was trying to text you. So your own aggression and uh, robot yeah, I may maybe, have influenced. Maybe, yeah. I have issues with robots. I was trying to tell you that my I face... I was stuck in so much traffic, <laughs> and your music is stressful. No, it's not stressful. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's the opposite of that. It, no. it, I feel like there's so much going on within your voice that is... And it's, it's like its own story, and I wonder about it, and I don't want to know mm -hmm. <laughs> on some level where it's coming from, but 
I, there's just a lot of there's a really emotional quality to the way you sing mm-hmm. beyond what you're singing I agree. so the fact that people come in and say well these two made a record together and they have a kid so they must there must be about that mm-hmm. that's really strange no it's not right but it but or it could be it could be it wasn't <laughs> right it wasn't it isn't okay um she was definitely there the whole time we were recording it we went out to greg keeler's studio in the country he invited me out to start working on demos of songs i was working on and we just would go there for a day or two or three at a time and start working on the songs but mostly hanging out yeah eating food going for walks in the country and spending time and that's where a lot of the record was made okay um, at the risk of, I don't know if it's hypocritical to have just said like, people should stay out of your business. I kind of mm. want to get into your business. Oh, just a little bit. I mean, I think it's curious that it's not often that I get people who are on the show who are, uh, creative partners and, you know, personal life partners or whatever. Um, I felt weird saying that it felt old. It made I got me feel old. A lot of the, uh, one of the last times I referred to grandma's, my boyfriend was in Guelph at a holy fuck show and somebody said uh we don't call yeah. people boyfriend in guelph someone said that to you yeah i got scolded and i said oh i'm sorry my partner plays we're, in holy fuck we're all cowboys in guelph <laughs> so everything's a partner so yeah uh, that's this crazy guy, i'm sorry that i got scolded for calling him my boyfriend it's a hard town guelph's he is got my a, boyfriend guelph's though. got a chip on his shoulder it's shoulder, rather. I like to say partner. I like to say boyfriend. When I, so uh, anyway, I would, ahead, I, I like to say before I got married, I would say my lady friend. Yeah. Which might be from the Big Lebowski. But I like saying lady friend. It's mm-hmm. you should try it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I refer to you as my. Uh, I don't think I refer to you. As <laughs> he refers to me as his wife. Yes. Now sometimes. you can. Now you can do that. You're calm. Yeah. You could. You could have done it whenever you wanted. And then when I say no, we're not married. Then it comes across kind of funny. Kind of complicated. I do want to find out how this happened. When you two, where did you meet? Uh, we met years ago when I was living in <laughs> Hamilton. And uh, were you living in Burlington? Yeah. Graham is nodding. We have to share this mic. Yes. You have to be good partners and learn how I to share. I have to share. You have to share. But like I partners. like holding the mic. <laughs> she was the singer and I just stand in the back and press buttons. <laughs> press still, my buttons. You still got to share the microphone. Easy. Uh, so you met in Hamilton. Yeah, Where? What was met, the context? Uh, I was working at Dr. Disc. Oh, yeah. At the record store. <laughs> and we met. Graham was very shy. I said hi to him and his, his eyes got a bit bigger and he just kind of went, uh, hi. <laughs> but then we got to know each other and uh, is, is this is this a romantic uh, no. reaction or were you just shy no he was shy uh julie was the uh attractive female who worked at the record store that we all went to it was are you from pretty are I'm, you from, I'm Burlington. from Burlington, but so yeah we would go to dr. we would disc. go to dr disc we'd drive in okay uh <laughs> this can go get records julie let me uh she was the first person to, to give me a black sabbath paranoid on on in that record and she's like you need to listen to this record and i was like you okay. hadn't heard it before i don't think no my early musical uh i grew up in suburban a suburban middle upper middle class my musical he liked lots of metallica and slayer typical and upper mr. Middle bungle class. And mr 
but not Ma- Black Sabbath for some reason. No, I did like Black Sabbath. That's- it just it was like a weird mishmash of like what was spoon fed to me uh, through uh, you know like early much music and sure. and one hundred two point one or whatever, and and then what my older brother would have, and he had funny weird musical tastes too. So it was just odd. So wait, but, how old were you when you encountered Julie? Uh, Early twenties. Yeah, yeah. We've been friends. We were friends for years. Based on that, like those no, interactions. Well, no, Not but that we got ag- to know each other. Played some music. You were mixing uh, bands at a place called the Raven in Hamilton. Do you remember that place? Yeah. And I was bartending. Were you a bartender at the Raven? Huh? Yeah, and we. We I saw Royal City there. Yeah. And I played a benefit there with like the Mellagrove band and like a billion bands. I can't remember. Graham Walsh may have been mixing the show. Uh, I drove Royal City when I worked at Outside in... Um, I don't think Jim worked at Outside. I know Aaron worked at... Aaron did. Outside. And I think Dallas Worley eventually did. And Oh, yeah. yeah I worked at Dallas. But yeah, we I Dallas drove <clears throat> yeah. um, Royal City in because I was mixing the show. And I'm like, I'm driving to the Raven anyway. So I... Vish was there. You were probably. I mean, I, I don't know how was many times. Was hidden cameras as well? No, it was a Royal City headlining show. I thought maybe. Okay. And uh, anyways, I'm yeah. So that's that's. I would road show. manage Royal City a lot. Really? Well, yeah. The, yeah. Not that time. Uh, I was. I think I was at that show, but I thought the hidden cameras were also on the bill because we'd never seen them before, and we were like, we knew that a bunch of our friends were in it. Yeah. I'm did you ever to... see the hidden cameras at the Raven? No. I don't think I did. Okay. It was one of the first. I think the first time I ever saw them was at the Raven, and I feel like it was a three-gut kind of show. Well, Although I, Royal City might have also played with, like, Songs Ohio or something in Hamilton. They did mm. something... Yeah, I think they did something with... Anyway, sorry. No, no, that's no but, um, yeah, Graham and I were great. good friends for a long time, and I moved to Toronto, what, 10 years ago? And uh, we became a couple shortly after. Nice. Okay, it's very it's a nice sweet story. Very sweet. Music is involved. Yes. But were you collaborating as musicians before you became a couple? In some way you A little uh, bit, yeah. What would the context have been? Um we played music together in a band called Flux for a little while. Flux AD? Yeah. Was it called Flux or Flux AD? We called it Flux. Well, but there was an AD on it. It just got added on silently because there were probably five other bands with that name. Is this before Google, where you could check? <laughs> yeah, probably. Was it? Um, but yeah, Graham, Google BC. Graham Flex AD, Google BC. did some recording <laughs> for that band. Oh, okay. And uh, played some keys. But uh, we weren't in a band together for very long. Just what? played some music and Graham did some of the recording. And then Graham got really busy with Holy Fuck and was on tour all the time. Oh, okay. That yeah, because was whole, uh, sorry. Uh, Shortly after, what was your first band? Well, my first, uh, my first. You want to go back into the archives? My first band was a classic band from Hamilton called Mr. Cleavage, but that Mr. was my Cleavage. high school band. <laughs> we need to go into that one too much. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, when I um, uh, yeah, uh, that wasn't really much of anything. Um, Dylan Hudecki. Yeah, he played in By Divine Right. Him and I are really old school friends, and we sort of tooled around with playing music together. Okay. And then yeah, and I played with Julie for a bit, and then I moved to Toronto, and started working at Outside Music, 
played in a band called The Empires for a little bit. That was, uh, that was brief. very, very brief. And then um, met uh, Brian Borchard through Dylan. Right. BDR and stuff. And then Pretty I right, started right. playing with Brian <coughs> uh, in his solo stuff. The remains of uh, Brian Borchard? Yeah, played yeah. guitar a little bit. And then, uh, and then we started playing around with Casio keyboards together and the rest is history <laughs> so you what is your primary instrument or did you ha- ever have I one i played guitar i mean i started playing uh piano and like i i was i've always liked synths and stuff like that but i and then i, I played i played guitar a lot i don't know i guess guitar and synths really and, and i bass and drums. well I, I didn't but that wasn't my primary instrument and i've mostly just turned into playing keyboards and 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 guitar mm-hmm. but now i've been really into uh bass guitar a lot over the like in the maybe in the last like few years and i wish i could be a drummer but i can't play he plays uh (laughs) he's left-handed and plays a right-handed bass upside down oh okay he's versatile like that style oh no but do you actually change the strings you know oh no you're playing it upside down totally that's horrible you can afford a better bass than that a left a true left-handed bass but I found that I en- I would end up playing bass like a guitar. Right. So if I flip it upside down, it made me think more about what I was playing and kind of dumbed it down a bit. Which and then so I th- it just mentally I think about the bass differently when it's upside down than when if it's a guitar. And I kind of I I've been embracing it. I think I appreciate <laughs> where you're coming from because uh, I'm a right-handed guitar player, but I can only play air guitar left-handed. Really. What about like? What uh, does that mean? I don't I know. Don't, yeah. I can't do it. I, I think I, it means you were left-handed. I and went to, y- It was switched. Yeah, I went to. I'm a right-handed writer. I know, but when you were really young, you were probably. I went to the guitar lesson uh, that my you parents were signed me up. A left-handed. I said, I think I'm left-handed, and the teacher and I went. Ah, oh, we don't have. Any, the teacher was like, ah, we don't have any left-handed guitars. Maybe so. when you were That's three or four, yeah. the pencil was taken out of your left hand and put in your right hand <laughs> over and over and, and over again, and you were taught. Yeah, <laughs> it's terrible. I, I honestly, if you wanted to have an air guitar competition right now, I'd have to go left. Really? Yeah. Play Foxy Lady for you. <laughs> I'd like to see that. Some Change of Heart songs, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so that explains your trajectory in a yeah. way that is, is succinct. That's good, Julie. When did when did you get into music? Ah, uh, I don't even know. Uh, I don't know when I got into it. I didn't play in Parental, the school band was, like, or anything. Was family my influence? dad? Uh, listened to music a lot at home and played piano growing up and uh my siblings didn't play music uh i played flute in middle school right and i think which was probably assigned to you yeah like you had to probably i had to pick an instrument right and my parents were really excited when i picked flute and then they ended up buying me one as a present and then sending me for flute lessons aren't those expensive the flutes i don't think it was too expensive it was a student model yamaha that i still have and i love it but um that was my first instrument and that was how i got back into playing music funny enough because some of my friends that i'd met were sitting around playing guitars and singing and um, I remember the first pl- 
playing I did with people was showing up with a Beatles songbook and saying, can you guys play these songs? Because I only knew how to sight read. Oh, okay. I didn't know how oh. to jam. You, could, you, because you, you, who taught you to sight read? Well, when I took the lessons you did take that the, my oh, parents the, oh, right, right, sent right. me to in middle right, school right. because I expressed interest in an instrument. So that was short-lived. And then I pulled out the flute case and started playing it. And then that led to learning how to play guitar because I was sitting around with a bunch of people who played guitars a lot of the time. Right. And yeah, and then playing electric guitar and then joining Sarah Harmer's band and playing keys. How did that come about? Uh... We were friends. Okay. We'd known each other for a long time, and uh, it was a surprising phone call to get. She's, but then she's the first time we sang together, that it made sense. She's from the Burlington area as well. Yeah. So weirdly, this like green belt. I know connection. <laughs> okay, so oh, interesting. I didn't yeah. realize. And what about finding your voice as a singer? Like, do you remember? I mean, that takes a... No, I actually don't really know. I think probably singing along to stuff sometimes and then getting a compliment from someone once in a while where I would say, oh, no, no, I don't sing. I'm not a singer. <laughs> because it wasn't. I wasn't growing up in choirs or singing karaoke or singing in bands or anything. I think right. it just happened because someone probably heard me or if I was sitting around with those people playing songs, maybe I started singing along as well. And I don't you, know. And your, was your instinct always to harmonize? Or did you suddenly start singing lead? Because you are, as you mentioned earlier... I guess when I was learning... You know where I found my voice was when I started learning acoustic guitar. Oh. That's what it was. Why? Because I sang songs. I was learning oh. songs, like Neil Young songs and stuff. That's so where that's it was. That's probably when I started singing, yeah. Hmm. Because you, I think before you became known, I think, as Julie Fader, you, as you mentioned, you were always on stage with Sarah Harmer yeah. or Great Lake Swimmers or Chad Van Galen. Yeah. By the way, I have to ask you about that Massey Hall show because that was a magical, strange Oh, trip. yeah. Both both of those things. <laughs> well, Graham, were you at the Massey Hall show? I, think I was the only person that I know that was not at that Massey Hall show. He stayed home. You just didn't, you decided not to he go. He stayed home with Francis. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. You have a child. Sort of makes sense. I was thinking, yeah, don't worry. You can come to the next time I sing as a duo at Massey Hall with Chad Van Galen. <laughs> Don't worry, Graham. Come to the next one when oh, we're right. opening for the Constantines at Massey Hall. Yeah. It was a pretty amazing night, and Chad's performance is kind of infamous already. It's only like a couple months old now. Graham, what did you hear about the performance? Oh, I, I think I just sort of accepted it as a, just a typical Chad Van Galen. It's just like another Chad set. Word ridiculousness. I think it was. I think it was very special. It did sure seem. It, was, it yeah. did seem unique in the in the uh, the extent of the. Well, I thought it was hilarious, but the extent to which it could be a considered offensive. Mm-hmm. His it, banter. You mean? Yes. Yes. A whole other level. And uh, before he'd even sung a song, I think he said started. something kind of weird, and then he proceeded to talk about how. 
the Constantines were great because they never sucked D. And then I can't even say it because I don't want to take us down that road. But then it got, said, it don't just, get me wrong. <laughs> I, just, I love <laughs> that being performed on myself. Elevated and ele- it just got nuts. But he's so funny. And I enjoyed it very much. It was magical. He had a, did you see the, his guitar? At all? You didn't see any of it, but he had a guitar with a drumstick taped to it. And I've never seen anyone do that before. He was using his guitar as this drumstick. Anyway, it's, it, I can't even... He had to be there, I think. Or go see Chad. Yeah, yeah he, uh, he wanted me to play flute and sing and play keyboards. At the same time? In, a, in one song. So he taped... What was it? A piece of wood to because I was gonna drone on a oh. on a on the six track keyboard, and then he taped a piece of wood and put a shoelace attached to that, and then I put it around my toe while I was on stage at Massey Hall, <laughs> and I played the drone and played flute and then sang. Yeah. Graham, would you trust your you've become a handyman, I think, by necessity with your home. Would you trust Chad Van Galen to work on aspects of your home? Uh knowing yeah. that you have to shelter and keep secure your your wife from your child <laughs> and and it's Chad Van Galen. It depends, uh depends the, it depends on the job. But I know he would be trustworthy enough to not take on a job that he didn't feel comfortable doing but you would he would do he would do something pretty wonderful i think if you if you gave him the the, give him the right opportunity he's a really magical guy oh he's the best i think he he has some carpentry in him doesn't he doesn't he do that yeah he's yeah he's like vagabond carpenter (laughs) he loves uh he always boasts about how he goes dumpster diving which is what he calls it he would be the best homeless guy he'd have it he'd (laughs) be the best at that he, he makes job. things with found <laughs> objects i think i've heard that i've read that in a review that he sounds like the most talented homeless guy <laughs> ever it's, it's it's treading into dangerous territory here all right well it's so this is the meeting of these worlds etiquette and it's called etiquette by the way mm-hmm. why would you call the band etiquette why was that on your minds i don't know that it was on our minds because uh, you're we raising were- a child You've got to be more conscious about how to behave socially. I'm just curious if that's all inherent in the name. There wasn't uh, (laughs) a reason like that. It was just a name that we both said, oh, we like that. That's a yeah. good word, Careful, and we we're like. We're gonna get in trouble because no, we no. came up with a band name that isn't even have a good reason. <laughs> I don't have. No, I hate. I'm sorry. It happens on occasion where I fall into the trap of asking, "Where'd you get your band name no, from?" No, but I, I think Sarah Harmer was here. Yeah. We were talking. This is. I don't think I've even said this in an interview, but she was here. We were talking about who's the. What's the woman's name with the etiquette guide? It's a classic. Oh. Uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, shoot. She's, oh, why are you doing this to me? Sorry. To, to get my phone. But, uh, so it's a, she said, oh yeah, I was such a nerd in, in grade school. I wanted the etiquette guide and I would read it all the time. And I said, Graham was working on a track because our, our studio was in our dining room at the time. Because right. our basement was getting dug out. And I said, Graham, do you like the name etiquette as a band? I love that word. And he said, yeah, I like it. <laughs> and I said, let's call the band Etiquette. He said, 
Yeah, okay. I didn't. That is pretty much how it went down, isn't it? Well, that's a good story. Yeah. I don't think that... It's just... I think Sarah and I were talking about the importance of etiquette and the lack of etiquette. And I was telling her how I was finding myself reading up on certain Emily Post. Emily Post. Emily Post's (laughs) etiquette guide. So when (laughs) Harmer was in grade school, she liked reading that. Uh Uh-huh. She's very polite. She is incredibly polite. Sarah is polite. very polite. Lots of decorum there. I think sometimes she frowns upon my lack of decorum. Oh. I can kind of feel it. Like a little bit. I, can, like, I think <laughs> the harm's disappointed in me right now. That's how I feel a lot of the time. No, okay. Well, that's... Anyway, I didn't mean to... End no, that's good. An etiquette uh, question. But it, it sounds like this like uh, this happened very organically. Mm-hmm. I mean, not the relationship, but the actual <laughs> musical... Uh, collaboration um, and you are anxious uh, Julia to already get the, the next record going well I would like to get started on it this fall um, Graham has like there's a finished holy fuck record that will be coming out in the new year January right that's the probably problem. there's no, set date, there's but, no, yeah. no release date set but that's around the time mm-hmm. in the winter I'm guessing the new holy fuck record will come out so I would like to start working on a new etiquette record this fall. Oh, start. prior to the holy fuck yeah. activity. Yeah. Because it takes a while for a record to come out once it's finished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how long That's is another the- thing people don't realize. <laughs> that we were talking about the lack of income as well that people don't realize or the work that goes into things. But sometimes records sit after they're mastered for a while because you've got to get the ball rolling and yeah, depending on who you're working with as yeah. well they might have ideas for your release schedule and all that stuff so yeah 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 yep. i've been trying to shed some light on those topics and those ideas Good. on the show sometimes just like hey i know your record just came out but i'm sure it was done seven eight months ago mm-hmm. yeah. typically, you already I working think, on it and then yeah. invariably someone's like yeah actually i already have the next record halfway done i know people that have sat on finished records for two years like neil young well, I don't know him, <laughs> but I know of him. Yeah, no, it's true. You sit on records, and uh, and people. It sit can on be records. frustrating. Yeah. By the time a record comes out, I, I've known people that are already bored of the songs and want to be working on new songs in their set. This is what. Well, ma- that's what Chad's like all the time. He's bored of the songs. Well, why wouldn't right you be away? bored? You poured your whole creative energy into making them sound a certain yeah. way, then they're finally out. Yep. And then you've got to pedal them when, you know, I think that's what made the 60s so interesting for the people we loved. Like they didn't, it wasn't like by the time you heard the thing they were doing, or rather the thing that they put out, they'd barely moved on from it creatively, right? Whereas now it's like you could be like, I don't even care about these. Which is weird because given the state of technology nowadays and how everything is going, you can finish a song and throw it up on SoundCloud yeah. exactly. that night or on Bandcamp and put it out there. So you think... But not everyone we'll can... Do, you can't do that. No. You can't do that in Holy Fuck. No. Because there's a lot of people depending on you to put it out properly. You don't have that freedom, my friend. <laughs> no. You are basically a prisoner of your own music. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We're going to... Maybe, you know, maybe there's a positive to all this. Maybe there's something that, that'll happen. That, I feel like <clears throat> you and I spoke at the the Polaris Music Prize broadcast. Yes. Televised. Internet televised. Which one? The one where I was really drunk or the one where I was not drunk? It was you and Brian. Was yeah, he drunk? I was not drunk. No. No, you seem fine. Yeah, I was fine. You were no, fine. When he crashed the Mets interview, he was 
not drunk. Oh, that's right. That was later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. that, that might have been the year before. It was the year actually. before. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, last year, she likes to dredge up your yeah. skeletons. Last year, I feel like you told me it was done. The record was done. Pretty much, uh, it was pretty much done at oh, that okay. point, <clears throat> and then uh, we've we we t t tweaked further and then got stuff mixed. But it's been I mean it's been pretty pretty done for a while, and yeah. I feel like Brian told me it was going in a slightly different, more of a live band feel or something, or like he was going to play more guitar on it or something. He plays more guitar on it. Yeah, there's more vocals. Him and I do more vocals. You doing vocals? Week. Yep. <clears throat> and uh, um, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. Yep. I'm sure that uh, if all goes well, I'm sure you, me, and Brian can chat about it mm -hmm. properly. Cool. So that we're not... This is bad etiquette that to is. be talking about a different project. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Emily Post over here is getting upset. Yeah, right. Is there uh Excuse me. Can, is there any way we could turn this back to me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a bit uncomfortable I right now. totally fair. No, uh, I'm a... I'm a supporter. No. I like the band, too. I'm teasing. It's good. I think people... I feel like when we all are... 20 years from now, when music people are looking back at your work, they will see that it's part of a package. Mm -hmm. That Etiquette and Julie Fader and Holy Fuck and whatever else, even the records you're producing, are part of a creative spurt, if you will. That sounds mm -hmm. gross. <laughs> but... That, that, that it's part of a thing. No, it's true. You know? And I think we, we're too close to it now to see that. That the because I will say like I made an allusion to the fact where I'm like this etiquette song could be a holy fuck song. Part of me also thought I wonder if Brian's okay that that totally could have been a holy fuck song. You well, know, the, the lids record. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the exactly. Lids, totally. And also wow. when I think about it, what you're saying makes sense because Alex Edkins from Mets plays guitar on the etiquette record on oh, does two he? tracks. Right. Okay. And Brian Borchert sings on the Etiquette record, and Hannah Georges sings with us live. Yeah. And I, I, I toured in Chad's band with Matt Flagel and Monty from Viet Cong, and right. it all ties together. It's a community. We I, are a community. I think you're going to see, as I say, mark my words, you two, 20 years from now, people will realize this is all part of the same aesthetic mm -hmm. sort of momentum thing. I can't talk because my... When Francis wants to join operators. There you go. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. all going to happen. <laughs> 20 years from now, she'll be an operator. Yeah. Is there an etiquette song we can go to right now from the record? Sure. Which one? I don't know. Attention Seeker? Attention Seeker. This seems like a really weird... <laughs> this is a very sharp-tongued song about an attention seeker and the fact that they're blaming everything in the world on everyone around them except themselves. And I couldn't help but think that it was about me. Oh. <laughs> well, I didn't want to say anything, but uh, yeah, you inspired, you inspired so much. I don't much have a brother. I didn't blame anything. I don't know. Yeah, anyway, I know there's a bunch of, it's a cool song. And it's a sharp song. And I know it's about Sarah Harmer. Let's, let's, oh, uh, yeah, no, right. I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, I just want to get her back. Yeah, I remember back. around the time people kept saying, is this song about me? That's what you want. Is this about me? Is this about me? About I was thinking, oh, freak. There's a thing in Sloan where I think Chris Murphy thinks every Patrick Pentland song is about him. Oh. Particularly, like, You See the Good in Everyone and 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 some of the more negative songs. I think it's a paranoia you develop when your friends start writing songs. Mm -hmm. You're like, I think this is about me. Attention seeker, that's me. Listen to me right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I had ten different people, not specifically attention seeker, but just 
lyrics on the record when I was playing early ideas for people that when we were working on the instrumentation. Ask me. I don't think I've ever asked anyone, is that song about me? Yeah, that's... And people were... I think it's a bold question. It's gall. Yeah. That's a lot of gall. Well... So, Attention Seeker is not about you. No, I didn't think it was about <laughs> me. I was just making a joke. And I don't think it's as harsh lyrically as people think it is. Like, the So Hard Done By, when you get to that part where you're singing yeah. So Hard Done By, you're just like, whoa. Like, that has a sharpness to it. Yeah, I think... Sorry. Anyway, you're right. I'm, you're right. I'm, 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 I think it's a sharp song. Yeah. Let's hear it. This is Attention Seeker by Etiquette uh, Julie. Graham, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. And good luck with uh, everything yeah, that you're working on. Thanks, man. Oh, by the way, I think the feeling is coming back in my face. <laughs> oh, good. Finally. Oh, All man. talking will help. It did, actually, I think. It's like in my ear, Clean though. up the drool puddle. Ugh. Attention, see. 
thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.